Welcome home. You're listening to 180 Church Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to 180 Church Podcast. I'm Joe Lou, and today I'm here joined by Pastor Lydia. Hello. We have Kago. Hello. Wendy Lee. Hi. Michelle. Hi, everyone. And Henry's on the computer, but... Today, we're joined together after a great day in the sun that we just had yesterday mm-hmm. with delicious food. It was an awesome time. Um, and with a sermon from Dr. Sammy, where he let us in on a little secret that we are the church. And what does that even really mean? We thought church was a place that we go to every Sunday, uh, a place where you invite your friends to listen to the gospel. It is all those things, but even more. Um, and so we're going to take a moment to breathe, pause, and really reflect on what it means to be the church. Here's Dr. Sammy. Today's sermon is given by Dr. Sammy D. Kim, a co-founder of 180 Church NYC, a bioethics fellow in global health and social medicine at Harvard Medical School, and a regular contributor at Christianity Today. Today's scripture is from Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 28. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meaning of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So about six years ago, Six, seven years ago, my wife and I and our family celebrated our 10th year anniversary. We'll be celebrating our 17th next year. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Mary's is like an endangered species in New York. We made it this far. So we're going to try to help you guys uh, in the future. But uh, for our 10th, we went to Europe for about a month. That means we missed about four Sundays at church. So just letting you know from last week's sermon, I am not a literalist. All right. I'm not also pious. That's mean I said in my message last week, go on what? Vacation. Tell someone next to you, go on vacation. Go on vacation. What does that mean? 
What does that mean to go on vacation? To miss Sunday. You can go on vacation. That's part of the Sabbath. It's also discipling and mentoring your family to learn about what it means to rest, to play, to experience new things. See, one of the things that I want to unpack for you today is that the church is not a building. The church never was. You can tell we meet in an AMC theater. We don't have pews. We don't have a piano. Well, we have a keyboard. We don't have a piano or an organ. We don't have stained glass windows. The church is where? Where people gather together. Jesus says one or two, two or three gathered in his name. Well, he shall be what? There with us. I'm more of a pragmatist than a literalist. So it's not about legalism. But let me unpack what the church is supposed to be like. So I'm at Paris and London and Florence. And every country is amazing. How many people like to go to Paris this summer? I welcome you to go. Okay? It's kind of expensive, but you can try. Save up, all right? Save, stop eating those brunches. Save up. <laughs> we were there, and, and the first time I tried a McDonald's, you go, what? McDonald's? Yes. I would advocate, I'm a, a big evangelist for Paris McDonald's because they have the baguette. Baguette is state-regulated. And it's the best bread in the world. And if you eat a McChicken with their baguette, it's a gourmet sandwich. Okay? And I I would eat the bread every single time. I would eat the bread on the street. People eat bread everywhere. In the train station, I don't even know how they have bread left when they go home. I mean, it's so good. And every time I ate food in Paris, pastries, you know, and and the baguette, I would say to my wife, we got to do this. What? Again, tell someone we got to do this again. Yeah, we're walking in Florence next to the Arno River at night skylight, eating, you know, all types of food, spaghetti, seeing the beautiful scenery. And I, I tell my wife, drinking deeply into Florence again, what we got to what? We got to do this again. We never did too expensive maybe for the 20th the question of why we do things again or why we want to do this again sometimes they're big things things that you have on your bucket list but sometimes you got to do things again and again that are just as meaningful every morning my wife and I after being married almost for 17 years have a rhythm We have an espresso machine and we drink coffee together again and again. It's and honestly to tell you, when I was in California teaching this week in Pasadena, that's what I missed most. Drinking coffee in the morning, cup of joe, because that's when we stop all the errands and all the things that we got to do. And we pause for a moment and we have so conversations right in the morning. Some of us might be asking the question, who, who have been attending 180 for a long time, why do we do the days and the suns again and again? All the people that are responsible for putting the tents up, decorating this, making food, why do we have to do this again and again? Well, if you look at this passage in Acts 17, the first verse, you could turn there with me. It says that while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So you could first 
observation is you can tell that Paul was waiting for some people and he was there in a new place. He's been to Athens before, but this is the first time he's there as a missionary. This is Paul's second missionary journey. Paul goes on three. And this is, again, something he does again. And I want to tie that into why we do the Days and the Suns again and again, four times this year. You have sometimes, if you want to have, even if you're married, you need to have another date again. How many people would like to go on a date with your spouse? Yeah, I know. So, especially the ones with kids. Who wants to volunteer to watch their kids? Okay? No, no one. Okay, no one. All right. I mean, th- there is a rhythm and ritual you, you're, you're going to have to learn as we grow in our relationships. Friendships are hard to maintain because you get so busy, right? You have your job. You have, you know, your other relationships you have to juggle, but there has to be a middle space where you can just stop for a second and breathe. For Paul, he did it again because mission was so important to him, to tell the gospel to people, to meet people where they were. And the value of ritual and rhythm is powerful. It changed my marriage. And I believe the day in the sun are like, days in the suns are like that. We're creating a space where people can breathe. The city's tough, right? How many people think living in Manhattan's tough? Or New York City's tough, right? Jay-Z says in his song Empire, right? New York, New York, or half of you're not going to make it. That's probably pretty too optimistic. But it's hard living here. So you need a place to breathe. And so the first thing why we do this is to give people time to breathe. Everybody, I want you to just breathe a little bit right now. Yeah, inhale, exhale. All right, good, good. That felt good, right? But that's why we do it. To gather together. And just like I drink a cup of joe with my, um, with my wife, we're creating a space for people to breathe, to listen. Because a lot of times, you know, throughout their day, we're not really listening to people. Why? Because we're busy. We're occupied. And we're anxious. Sometimes you have to stop and create a discipline of grace. And that's what this this. We want the days in the sun to be a discipline of grace for all of us to breathe. That's the first thing. Second thing is when we read this chapter, what do we see? We see Paul meeting at the marketplace, it says. Tell someone next to you the marketplace. Yeah. The marketplace. This is where Athens, basically they were stripped of their former glory, right? They were the most powerful civilization. Greece and they had the best philosophers. They were the most, they were the towering intellectuals. But Rome came with their army and obliterated them. And they lost a lot of pride. But they still had their philosophy. And so Athens was a center, an epicenter, where people would gather together to meet each other. And what is Central Park? Central Park is a place where people come to meet together, to walk, to connect. And that's why we're here. That's the second reason why we do it again. Sometimes the church forgets when you meet in a building, even when you meet in a theater, you forget why you're there. We're there to invite people to hear the gospel, the greatest news ever told, ever is, ever will be. He went to the marketplace. He went to where people were. Not Christians, not people who already believed in Jesus, but people who didn't know Jesus. I remember 
uh, when in Boyd Baptist Boyd's baptism. Let's give Boyd a hand right there. Yeah. <laughs> Boyd told me um, he he's one of he works for AMC and he created us a space storage space and everything. It's amazing when we meet in the theater. But uh, in Boyd's baptism, he said, you know, literally when he met God, he said God literally sent the church to me, like literally. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. But the church sometimes forgets that it's hard sometimes for you to go to church, right? Because there's competing commitments. There's so many things you have to get done. You have kids or, or study or jobs or any other good things you have to do. Sometimes it's hard for you to go to church. But the whole point of the church, why we gather anywhere, but particularly in the theater AMC and here in the Central Park, is so that we can invite other people. We have to go to them to hear the gospel. We have to take, we're the ones on mission. That's what Paul does. He goes to the place where people were. And at the heart of 180, the heart of the day in the suns, is so that we can invite again and be reminded the gospel is not just for us. It's for everyone that doesn't know him, that doesn't know his love, that doesn't know his grace. And you know, the days in the sun are historical in our, in, for our community, for so many people to be their first time here. Because this is non-threatening, right? A church might sound threatening. Hey, we have food. We're going to be in the park. You've been there. Come. And many people have come and found the Lord. So if you're tired of serving the days in the sun, because, I mean, I didn't carry any heavy equipment, but I know some of you did. I know I look tan because I came from Pasadena, but I promise I wasn't swimming or enjoying myself. I was teaching from eight to five every day, okay? So I'm suffering with you. But some of you guys are carrying heavy things up here. Some of you guys are setting up here, but don't forget it. We do it. Because we have to take the church to the people where they are, where they're comfortable, where they can hear the gospel, where we can create a third space for that. That's why we do it. You know, I remember so many people that come to the days and the suns and found the Lord. At the heart of everything we do in our community, I pray that you would pay attention. Tell someone next to you, pay attention. To the people around you. Tell them, people around you. People in front of you. Why? Because you don't know what God could be doing in someone's life. Because if you look at this passage, God was already working in Athens. They were worshiping, they said, to an unknown God. They knew someone created things. Someone was working the rational principle behind the universe, Platonic philosophy even, but they didn't know who. I wanna pray that you pay attention, open your eyes, because God is moving. That's the heart of who we are. That's why we meet in the theater, and that's why we meet in a park. Because the church has to become not a place, but us. Amen? I remember when Kago came to the Lord. Kago, I shared about you in uh, Fuller. I showed your uh, baptism video. People were crying. You know? They were like, wow, this is so powerful. I'm like, is it? No. <laughs> and um, people were crying in tears, you know. And uh, this is like four years ago. And, and I remember, you know, 
after Kego came to Christ and he was working, you know, in the film industry and he was like, you know, he just wanted to meet up because he was struggling and had some angst about certain things, you know. And he was like, you know, what is God's plan? What is God's call for me in my job? Like, how do I tell people about Jesus? How do I tell people, how do I, you know, embody the gospel? Like, what is God's specific plan? How can, you know, how can I evangelize? How can I be a witness? And I'm just really struggling with that. I don't really have clarity about that. And I said, I said, Kego, this is so simple. I mean, you're pretty smart, but pretty dumb today. You know? He goes, well, what do you mean? I go, God's plan is you. Tell someone next to you, you. I said, he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, didn't God send you there? Didn't you get a job there? He's like, yeah. Well, that's it. That's the plan. You're the plan. You're the plan. That's the church. You're the plan. You. Tell someone, you, 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 you. <laughs> you, you're the plan. You're like, no, I can't be the plan. I don't, have every, I don't have everything together. That's exactly why you're the plan. You're a mess in progress. You're, you're clay that's being made. You're the plan. There's no other plan. You go, no, there's no plan B, plan C, plan D. Heaven must have all those, no other plan. Ecclesia, the community of God is the plan. You're the plan. Your brokenness, your hurts, your gifts, you're the plan. When you go to your job, God's sending you. You go, but I can't do it. The Holy Spirit's with you. Tell someone the Holy Spirit's with you. And you go, well, I don't know what to say. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will give you the words when you need them. I'm preaching now. So I improvise now. But you, you're the plan. So, hey, we have how many more days in the suns? How many more AMC meetings this summer? This rhythm of grace. I pray today you would remember that you are the plan. I'm not the plan. You're the plan. God will use you to be the light. We have to go to the marketplace. That's what the church is. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. How was that for you guys? It's good. My ears are like super sensitive right now. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so that was actually 10 minutes of oh, wow. meditating on the benediction. <laughs> if, did it feel longer or shorter or what? Longer. <clears throat> it felt like an hour. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It felt like twenty. Yeah. yeah okay. That's more more accurate. Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely felt longer, right? What was going through your mind as you were meditating? I was thinking about job applications. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, I was trying to be still. <laughs> so just breathing. Mm. Every now and then I was thinking about work. <laughs> it's and actually very normal. My audition tomorrow. <laughs> mm. Oh, you have an audition? <coughs> just oh, a commercial one. Mm. Oh, uh, well, done with school for now. Okay. Oh, school. Class, yeah. yeah. How was it, Wendy? It was good. I was just praying. Just running through my list of <laughs> anything mm -hmm. that come to mind, I just started praying for it. Yeah. yeah. And then this, a song came up, the Holy Spirit song, mm -hmm. Come to Power, Change My Life. Mm -hmm. That's the song that came up for me. How about you, Joe? Um, uh, it was good to think, uh, you know, it's like the normal thoughts 
coming and you letting them be. And then there's like a point I felt like there were just waves in my head. Mm -hmm. um, so that that happens pretty often. So what? The the meditation. Well, when I meditated, like it's like usually what happens. So. Waves? Can you explain waves? Like ocean waves? It's like yeah, it's like you know when you're looking down when you stand in in like a lake or something and just like waves hitting your feet or like your legs. Mm. Are you talking about like a physical sensation? You actually yeah, feel like you're in the water. Yeah. Yes, but in like my brain. I don't know how to explain. It. It's just, it feels like my brain just just like waves just okay. doing this thing. I understand what you're yeah. saying. So. Sometimes I think it's like blood rushing through your head. Is that what it is? It kind of that's kind of uh -huh. how it feels like. Mm -hmm. And so when you when it goes through your head, it feels like there's like waves hitting you. I don't think I've ever. Oh really? Felt that or realized uh -huh. that's mm -hmm. what it was. Yeah. I get it after like have a deep breath. Oh. How was it for you, Henry? It was crazy. Why? <laughs> I've never actually sat down to do that. <clears throat> You just experienced many multiverses. Yeah. I mean, you start with like, be still and know, and be still, be still and know that I am God. But there's so many other things that pop up, and it might not be just like, long, like a list to do, but you also start remembering truth too, I feel like. Mm -hmm. For me, I was remembering things that Honestly, sometimes when I go about the day, I forget a lot of things. Mm. And in the moment when I meditate, I actually am able to remember mm. things, you know. I think that sometimes by the time Wednesday, Thursday comes for people in small group, it's hard to remember, like, um, even Sunday message, even mm. though it's something that's deep within people's hearts, I think also with the pressure of just sitting down with people about to share, what do I share? What am I supposed to talk about? I think there is that, um, with like some angst and anxiety, I think there is like a blankness that goes through. Mm. You guys know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, like I would forget like like what Dr. Sammy's message was um even though it's like I would forget the message on Sunday um even though that day on Sunday I feel so convicted mm -hmm. um so I would always have to either watch the sermon again or I don't know I guess before small group just reflect on the questions but it does happen often Mm -hmm. or even after people having a really powerful small group I think yeah. in hindsight people forget like oh how a small group and people be like I don't even I don't remember right. I remember it was good or I, I don't remember I think it was like this but I can't remember because there's so much happening um, even like in the 10 minutes that we meditated think about how much we didn't scroll through our phone right and in the 10 minutes that you have, how much you do you scroll and how, many, how much information goes through your brain? And you're seeing a lot and your mm -hmm. brain is like constantly shifting from one thing to another, one thing to another. And it's bound to forget even what it looked at. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So 
It was actually a comment that someone made about, um, and it's a common thing. I think people people feel, but people say I feel like it was like a blank to me, you know, like how a small group it felt like a blank to me, and then it'll, people will start to remember. Mm-hmm. In conversation, oh, actually, I remember we talked about this, and this was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, or you ask someone like, "Oh, um, I don't know how many conversations like this actually happens within the community, but when you ask someone like, "Oh, how was the, you know, how was church, or how was, how was um, anything reflect if reflective?" I think there's a sense of like, I don't remember, but and then you start remembering in hindsight, mm-hmm. you know. But do you guys know what I'm talking about? What is your experience like, Joe? You're nodding. I, I'm very curious what you're thinking. Um, or I try to be as intentional as I can to remember stuff so that I don't forget mm-hmm. its impact. So, like, even sermons from, like, a long time ago, I still think I remember bits and pieces of it that have stuck stuck with me mm-hmm. so that I don't try and forget um, like the impact that it left on me so I mean it's it's fu- I was just kind of not I think I was thinking while we were talking because I ran into somebody on the bus yesterday on my way home from work mm-hmm. um, and she was telling me like oh it's like it's like interesting when someone asks me like oh what, what have you been up to because like for mm-hmm. her she just feels like oh nothing like, I haven't done anything and mm-hmm. it takes people to tell her like remember you took a trip like right. didn't you do that like a couple months ago and then they're like oh yeah i forgot I, I did that and i was i guess like it was funny that we're talking about this now and mm-hmm. i had that conversation uh just yesterday um so I, I think that's what was kind of on my mind but mm-hmm. for me i tried to like because from sunday to our podcast recording session and then like me having to think about the sermon, doing the synopsis and such like that, and mm-hmm. then also a small group. I feel like it's kind of on my mind mm. pretty, pretty like, regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention, now that I'm reading the word more mm-hmm. due to your uh, homework assignments, <laughs> um, which has been really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, I'm, it's like, it's, it's there, but I, I don't want to say, like, I'm not forgetting. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm just not sure where I, I stand mm-hmm. with this. I haven't really... Well, I think you're making the point that you understand that people don't always remember even something so impactful as uh-huh. something you're convicted by to a trip, even. Right, Because right. people kind of draw a blank. Yeah. You know? But you personally can't relate because you have all these mechanisms where almost, almost like a system, but yeah. of intentionality where whether it's through the ministry of doing synopsis or could you help out with that Mm -hmm. and also um, preparing for small group because you're a facilitator Mm -hmm. you always are the word is i guess intentional Uh about remembering yeah i try yeah yeah and i think that's the thing like meditation is also an instrument and a spiritual discipline to help us remember because we tend to completely forget Mm. even what's so important mm. you know but that's kind of like the feedback that i got like i asked people like how small group and people some people will tell me like um oh it was great but some people can't tell me because i think the lifestyle is just so crazy right. <laughs> like think about the people who work in healthcare, right 
it's the hours and the needs are so dire and urgent, you know, like ER doctors, nurses, or, you know, pharmacists, like always on their feet, or people who work in hospitality, you're constantly tending to needs, or moms, it's like, before you know it, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like when, when is weekend coming? It's like kind of crazy. And to, I guess it, it kind of like brought me to the, the, the importance of the middle, middle space Mm. for God to make space for God and the grace of making space for God Mm. and how important that is because even people it's not that people don't want to forget Mm. it happens to I don't want to like it happens to the best of us you know you just forget you just forget because there's so much going on Mm. and so I thought that the Sunday message was such a great reminder of why we gather in the name of Jesus whether it's in a small group, whether it's in the actual theater, whether it is in the day in the sun in the park, or whether you're meeting up with a friend and just asking each other, how are you doing? And really finding out what's going on Mm -hmm. and how you're growing, but also how are you healing? You know, how are you um, recovering? How are you... Um, grieving you know what I mean like it's so important that because ultimately you know last week there was an emphasis on um, non-negotiable right and the tension of um, really working through the nuance of these non-negotiables right and you know and Dr. Sammy began this message with the Sabbath that rest and teaching family how to rest going on vacations, but also um, not taking so lightly, missing church, but also knowing that um, attending a collective group and a service is also important. But ultimately that we, that the church is not a building. Hmm. Right? Hmm. And it's not, it's us. It's where, where we are gathered in the name of Jesus. That's where Jesus shows up. So I thought that today we could have a conversation like that. Like I know we have mics in front of us and we're um, sometimes, you know, people tell me like you guys are so honest and vulnerable on podcasts. Like I'm surprised by that and I'm very blessed by that. But if we could even be more intentional about the fact that we're gathered in Jesus name. We could do it. We could do it. Five hundred. Yeah. What did the message mean for you? I thought the message was very poetic this week. Even the scripture, Mm. it was very poetic, and how it revealed who God was to the people who had never heard of Him and His teaching. We'll go. How about we go around like this? Okay. Um. I'm. I, I really liked this message uh, just because I think it there was one time I was having a conversation with uh, my friend he said following the New Testament where are the living letters of the Bible like you know because like the question came up like 
why didn't people add stuff to the Bible after mm-hmm. the like 1900 some odd years, right? Like there had to have been more things that the disciples following the first and second generation did. And then my friend was like, you know, it's because we're the living letters. Like we're supposed to be amendments to the gospel as we continue to live. And I was like, whoa, you know, like I was like, oh, wow, you know, and it really impacted me in such a way. And I know Dr. Sammy has, uh, I, I heard about this story about Dr. Sammy and Kago about how we are the church mm-hmm. and that, you know, that we are God's plan. And, you know, that also kind of like added a layer to that. It's like, oh, like we're, we're the, we're the plan. Like, I don't know how, how much more in detail I can get about it, but, you know, God is sending us because we were reached and we have one mission um, and it's to bring this gospel message to more and more people. And that is essentially what I want to say that I really f- try to found my faith on or like found my life on. It's that, you know, if I am a part of God's plan and if God has saw has seen or has chosen me to be a part of this, you know, I want to live my life so that I can honor that and be the best plan possible you know whether it's through like building my character so that i can be ready for whatever the future has for me or for whoever i'm supposed to encounter or whoever i can reach with the gospel um it just goes to show like you know people see who christ is through us you know um through our transformation and who we're becoming and that's always very uh motivating for me um and encouraging when i see things in hindsight because you know the person i am now with this community and with the people around me who have kind of shaped this direction in my life it like it has a trickle effect as in people see it um and people are watching and you know if i can do something impactful for the kingdom in that way i would that 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 would be worth it you know um and so i want to it always reminds me that i want to continue being the church for people you know like where a couple of us can um you know hang out or spend time with someone that's seeking or that someone with someone that has questions about who Jesus is or what the gospel is about and for me to have the resources and um i don't know the capabilities to even discuss these things in such a way that it can reach people's ears and you know change people's hearts you know that's what i i think is you know the valuable aspect of you know, being a part of this church, you know, and being a part of the church as a whole. Why you, Kiko? Well, I wasn't expecting to get a shout out, but I think, um, <laughs> well, so Dr. Sammy told the story where I, I met up with him and he was telling me that at my job, like, I was asking him, like, what's, like, what's my purpose there? What am I supposed to do? Um, and I remember sharing this on Packus as well, but like, he told me that I'm the plan. And mm. I, I think, um, and I actually just remembered that, so I went to a trip to Boston to meet my friend. Uh, and this is my friend who, like, I've been trying to invite to church. But because he lives in Boston, I, I was having a hard time trying to, like, figure out how to have that conversation. Uh, and, um, you know, we were, we were on an Uber ride. And um, I remember that he was asking me, oh, what's your week like? And then I shared with them, like, oh, like, my week is, like, um, I have a meeting on Tuesday. I, I have a small group on Thursday and Friday. Mm. Uh, and then I have church on Sunday. Uh, and then out of nowhere, the Uber driver was like, um, turned. <laughs> he was listening. Uber, Uber driver was listening. <laughs> and it turned out that he was a pastor. Oh. I was so surprised. And he was a pastor. Uh, he retired, <laughs> wow. I believe. Um, 
and just growing growing older. Um, but um, he was a pastor, and he was uh, as a, was working as an Uber driver um, as a hobby. Uh, and he was he told me, young man, uh, you are the church. Uh, oh. That was actually what he told wow. me. Huh. And um, I was so surprised, and we got into conversation. But um, he was encouraging me that, um, and I, I'm. I'm I'm not even sure if he like how much of the conversation he heard, um, but at that moment I really felt like uh, I wasn't alone, um, and that in that wherever I went, like the church was with me, um, and then I I think I think that kind of changed how I reach out to people or even talk to people. Mm. Um, I think I've always felt like oh oh man this person doesn't come to my church or is he, they're so far away from like the building of like going to AMC. Like they're in Chicago. Like how do I invite them to like Christ or how do I, how do I invite them to the community of Christ? And mm. um, I think like in those small ways, like I'm reminded like, wow, like I'm not like, even though like some people can't make it to physically make it to church, uh, the, the church that I go to, like, um, like, God and presence of God is with me everywhere, wherever I go. And wherever I go, uh, when I pray with other people, um, mm. like the church is with me. Uh, and so that kind of reminded me of those the experiences I had too. Mm. Church on wheels. Church on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> the church came to you and picked you up. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> true. That's crazy. Wendy? Um, for me, I also felt very encouraged and empowered by the sermon. Um, yeah, I mean, the it just reminded me again that, yeah, that God's purpose or plan is me. And so I thought a lot about just the family and friends that do not know Christ and um, and just stories of, like, because a couple of sermons ago, we talked a lot about, like, purpose and calling, and I've been more upfront with my faith. So... A story that I can think of right now is like someone just asked me this tattoo that I have on my right arm. I didn't think I thought of it more as like it's freedom of expression. Like this is who I am. But I didn't know how this has become a vehicle for like bringing up conversations about Christ. So I mean, can you describe the tattoo because not everyone <laughs> has seen it on your arm. Um, so there's a dove. Um, that represents Christ. Um, and then around it, it's surrounded by plum flowers, which is my last name. It, it means um, plum. So <laughs> um, I'm just kind of like, not only is God like my rock, but also I want to build a legacy with Christ. So that was the meaning of the tattoo. And before the sermon about calling and things like that, I was very shy about like bringing it up like what this tattoo meant for me mm -hmm. but um ever since the sermon about calling and purpose um i had like uh, a friend of a friend just asked oh that's a really beautiful tattoo like you know where do you get it what does it mean and i was like oh it's um it's a tattoo uh, about my faith and um i'm a christian and she's like oh okay so just like those little instances um this past sermon reminded me like just to be a light in that way like just to bring it up casually like that and it doesn't have to be like a serious conversation about like what's right and what's wrong but just like this is who I am so mm -hmm. I felt very empowered by this week's sermon yeah mm -hmm. Michelle 
Um, yeah, I, it was a very poetic message for sure. Um, <clears throat> I think empowering is a perfect word for mm. it. Um, that part where he was saying, you're the plan mm. in regards to the Kago story, you know, I'm not the plan. Like I, Dr. Sammy, I'm not the plan. Pastor Lydia is not the plan. Um, it was just a great reminder for me because I might disqualify myself sometimes. I can say I have a gift of evangelism, but I might also disqualify myself sometimes because I'm not a pastor or I don't know everything or because I'm not a pastor, I don't, I don't think I have all this education and I can't always answer people's questions. I'm not always equipped to, you know, sometimes I feel I have to uh, refer people to you when there's questions I don't know how to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a great reminder and very empowering that, uh, yeah, that, that I am the church wherever I go and I might not have the title of being a pastor, but I can still live out my calling and I can still uh, be faithful in sharing the gospel with others. Um, I think that continually I'm trying to grow in grit in terms of sharing the gospel because over the years I've found that it's perhaps not so tough to invite people, but to really have people change their hearts and want to change their lives for Christ is, is a challenge. And when you really, when God gives you a heart for someone and sometimes it doesn't make any sense, it's someone you might not even think you'll get along with. It's seemingly someone random. Mm. And when they, you know, I've had it happen to me where someone might decide I love this community, but, uh, it's too hard. Like life of Christ is too hard or it seems too hard or I have all these questions and, and they just don't want to keep searching anymore. They're just tired from it. So I have to remind myself that mission is hard and so is sharing the gospel, but um, I have to be faithful to what God puts on my heart for others and I have to be faithful to God at the end of the day. So, yeah, it's not about me. It's not about what titles I have or don't have or qualifications. But I know that God loves his creations. And, yeah, I mean, it'd be amazing to see everyone turn to Christ or, like, have that freedom that you get from that. Before we um, started worship at the park, um, we gathered as the worship team and the sound team, and we had uh, about 10 minutes to pray together. And um, before we all, I mean, um, whoever felt led prayed, um, we had a time of listening, right? Mm. And while we were listening for a little bit, this is something that the Lord put on my heart. And I felt like when Sam preached it, it reminded me once again. But this is what I had gotten. And um, in a still voice, this is what I heard the Lord say in my heart. Don't underestimate what God is doing. Mm. But also don't underestimate what you can do. And when Sam spoke of that, I think it was such a great reminder um, that... 
we are the light of the world. Like, that's what Jesus told the people. Like, you are the light of the world. Not Christ, but Christ in us. We are the light of the world. So, um, the second part of the message I love um, also was, like, what, what, do you, what were you thinking when, um, when he said, we're, you're a mess in progress? I said, <laughs> what were you thinking? Like, what went through your mind, and how do you relate to that? That it's okay, you don't have to be so perfect and know everything and know all the answers. Um. You and you don't have everything together, but you're a mess in progress. I mean, besides the fact that it's been like kind of ingrained in me for to know that I am a mess in progress, sometimes hard to see, right? So like even initially when you asked that, like, oh, what did you think about that? I'm like, I'm, I'm better than I was before. <laughs> like that, that was like almost my immediate response. But I think that goes to show that you know there is still a mess in me that is hard for me to reconcile. That is a mess. Um, and me wanting to just continually press forward and like move on forward and like away from the mess is kind of like uh, me not really dealing with the with the stuff in me that is indicative that I need Christ, right? Like I, it's kind of hard for me to come back to that place where when God first found me or when I first found God is I was I was really broken and I was really um, messed up inside and that's that's why I needed God and that that feeling was so visceral and sometimes like I think my pride gets in the way and I want to be like oh yeah that was the past but now I'm like you know servant of God and I'm trying to do <laughs> the things that God asked me to do you know mm -hmm. kind of like put like a noble air to it when mm -hmm. the fact of the matter really is that I'm still a mess and God is still working with a mess you know because I don't more and more often I'm seeing that I don't always get it right, no matter how much I might try to know or no matter how much I try to do or no matter you know how much I think I've grown it's not enough because i've I've been kind of reliant on me mm -hmm. um and so like lately, you know we're talking about like the Holy Ghost and grief and stuff like that, and talking about things of my past and exploring those things more i'm I'm realizing you know. I've always been a mess, and I think I have to accept that I'm a mess, but it was always in my mess that God used me more, or like it felt like that I was of more service or somehow more impactful or more relatable or something, or I don't know. It's just when I thought the least of myself is when, you know, God showed up the most to some to some degrees. It, it seems to be like a common pattern, and then I always like feel like I'm doing all right and like, I'm still living out my principles, and then, you know, you read, it's like, hey, it's like not really about principles, you know, it's about, like, our continual dependence and reliance on who Jesus is in our lives and who God is, um, and so that's, it's old news for me, but it's also new, it's, like, very new to, like, kind of see it from then and from now, from then being, like, when I was younger, like, maybe, like, 18, 17, 18, mm -hmm. and now being, like, now that I'm revisiting these areas of uh, pain in my life or like these this this mess in me that um, you know God is touching on and stuff like that and so um, it's good to know that God will use us or call us still when like we don't have it all together or even though my quote-unquote character isn't a hundred percent like rock-solid 
you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's so it's always encouraging to be reminded of that and you know, trying to wrestle for that truth. Mm-hmm. Could someone say, well, Joe, you were only seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Of course, you were a mess and broken. How, how is it that um, you know, how is it significant of God moving in your life? Um, at the time or now? You mean when I was 16 or 17? Yeah. Or like even now you say I'm, I've changed so much because of my dependency on God mm-hmm. and all because it's really indicative of why we need God. No. Uh, right? Yeah. Um, I guess the question is like how is it immaturity and how is it just indicative of the fact that we need God? Like what's the difference? Uh, I don't I think I don't I'm not like a hundred percent sure I can answer that question well because I'm still in process, you know, mm-hmm. like or I I feel like I'm still discovering more about what this journey looks like. Because um, I think at when I was younger it was like very visceral the feeling of needing to be saved or like having to uh like, I was very hungry for significance and purpose, and I think, like, I just didn't have enough answers for this longing that I've had. But, you know, when that longing was met, and then you feel like you're taking strides and, like, walking that out and living that out, and, you know, you, you know, I came, to, I, I think I came to almost, like, a haughty or arrogant place where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in the right direction. Like, I'm, I'm doing the things. And then I'm realizing I'm, I'm losing touch with, who God is and like my own humanity almost and like thinking that I can almost work my way into um, being a believer or like work my way into like proving that, you know, I like my faith is real and like I love God through those things. And so I think the mark, not that it's an indicator that I am mature, but like the mark of maturity is knowing that like, you know, I've always needed God and I'm always going to kind of like stray in this direction and like it's always God that kind of brings me back um and without that like I think I could probably be pretty wayward with my life like maybe thinking I'm better than people or like um I've gotten to such a place that you know I'm I'm more estranged from people like I'm not relatable anymore um but it's God always centers me to why I do what I do or why I felt so strongly that I wanted to live my life for Christ because I think it always comes back to when I was like 16, 17, you know? Mm. Like I haven't forgotten that that was why I wanted to pursue God with my life. And I guess like the expression kind of gets warped but God always brings or like God is always the central reason why I come back to, you know, what began this for me in the first place and if I want to stay close to that truth and if I want to stay close to God in that way, it's knowing that this is not just a journey on my own, you know, or like I'm not out here trying to, you know, provide a performance that I'm a Christian or a believer. It's really the mark of how much closer I'm getting to Christ, you know, and like it, that's kind of been what I, I've been getting from like reading the latter part of the New Testament, right? Like you, you from like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, right? It's like 
oh, like, you guys are trying to fulfill things by the law, but I'm, I'm telling you time and time again, like, it's not really about that. And, I, you know, at a certain point, I became so, like, principle-driven. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like, life is a set of principles, and mm-hmm. I have to adhere to these principles to the utmost without fail. Otherwise, there's, like, a hole in my development or my in my progression or something like that, right? But, you know... And I think you came down on me one time and was like, hey, that's not, that's not what it's about either. You know, like, where is this dependence on God? And I was like, oh, you know, I think it struck a chord with me because, I, like, I've fallen so far away from my relationship. Like, I, I almost mm-hmm. forgot about the relationship and was just trying to do the acts of service mm-hmm. that kind of come along with, like, the duties and the obligations. Um, but God never asked me for those duties or obligations when I first encountered him. You know, like, it wasn't that God needed me to serve him. Like, that wasn't why, you know, Jesus died for me. It was Jesus wanted to be with me and mm-hmm. in that mess and in those places uh, where I was just destitute and broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think I'm trying my best to constantly remind myself of that and also, like... Um, like kind of adjust my behavior accordingly like when i catch myself like trying to do right quote unquote or like live by these principles it's like oh yeah like remember i was supposed to like spend time with god and you know build a relationship as opposed to um fight for salvation or like work for my salvation i guess mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, you know, like, this is just kind of, like, what I got up to so far, because I don't know what the future holds, right? So, but, like, and this is, like, a lifetime of revelation I think I have to undergo, but, like, so far this is, like, it in terms of where I got so far. Okay, mm. Um, so when, when you asked, um, like, what does it look like, or how did it speak to you? Like when Dr. Sam was saying, like, we're our mess in progress. Um, I think for me, uh, I guess what's most relevant is that like, so I, as I just graduated from this boot camp, um, right now I'm in the process of trying to find a job mm-hmm. and, um, like, so right now for me, um, I'm, I'm so, I was so used to like the structure process of like going to class every day, getting my homework done. <laughs> uh, and now now that I don't have that structure, I really, really struggled to like sit down, do my work, apply to jobs. Uh, mm. And I had to be honest with my small group last week. I was like, guys, like uh, I was supposed to like apply to jobs and like be productive. But like, um, you know, I was just, as I was reflecting, I was like, guys, like I, I, I only applied to maybe like one job last week. And I was like, guys, like, I really need help. And um, I think, like, you know, I've, I've been, I've been, this is probably like my third time I've kind of gone through this job search process of being unemployed and trying to find a job. And, like, I have to say, like, I struggle every time. Like, it does, it, mm-hmm. it does get a little bit easier in the sense that, you know, um, you know, you know how long the process takes, you know that uh, it, it is a continual process. Um, but I think like the the biggest part that i struggle with is actually like anxiety of mm-hmm. every day like uh anxiety of like not knowing when exactly you're going to hear back not knowing uh like not knowing like how uh the interviews are going to go not knowing like you know not, like even like not having that kind of structure for me like is sometimes like makes makes me kind of like think of like all these like 
uh, thoughts like, oh, what if I don't find a job in time, or what if I don't, uh, what if I don't hear back from any of these um, jobs I applied to, uh, and it's it can be a kind of like a scary place, um, and um, it might not seem like it because um, I do I do I do really try to be present. Uh, the, the the truth is that I do struggle with anxiety a lot of times, mm. um, and I think I think in the midst of that, um, I think the sh- my struggle has been to really to really believe that God loves me and that God is there for me. Because uh, I think the tension is like, I was like, well, like, I don't feel that way. Like, I don't always feel like I'm, like, a beloved or I don't always feel like I have everything together. And I think um, my tension throughout maybe even since I started coming to church is that tension of, okay, like, what is it, what is, who am I really? Like, who am I at the core of my identity? Like, who am I? And, like, what what my bedrock of my foundation has been uh, and has become is that I'm God's beloved. Um, and, like, when I'm struggling with, like, all this anxiety, it's like, oh, what if, what if I don't find a job? Or, like, what if I fail? Um, like, what, what comes back to me, actually, like, when I, when I really am able to, like, sit down and, like, reflect and, like, meditate on is, like, I'm, I'm God's beloved. And that's, that's where my identity is. It doesn't rest on whether or not I'm able to find a job in time or whatever I think is in time mm-hmm. or what, whether or not I find a high paying job or whether or not I'm able to, you know, meet people's expectations. Like it's, it's first and foremost that I'm God's beloved. Uh, and from there I'm able to live out my calling. Um, and like, and for me, it's a, it's a daily battle of like trying to really reclaim, reclaim that identity because honestly, like, when you're like, okay, I'm not hearing back from any of these jobs, you're just like, oh man, like, like I don't, I don't feel like a beloved. I don't feel like I have identity because a lot of times my identity is like, how well am I performing? How well am I uh, doing the tasks that people expect me to do? Um, and so, I think, yeah, I, I think maybe, maybe I should express that a little bit more so that people actually know that, <laughs> that uh, a little bit more about what I struggle with. Because um, I think I, I do try to like kind of make sure that like I, I look like I have everything together um, but you know I've, I've kind of shared this over time that you know a lot of times I do feel that pressure like oh I have to have everything together I have to have my mm-hmm. life together uh, especially around, especially around my high school friends like oh yeah I gotta, I gotta look like I have my career together <laughs> uh, but the reality is I, I, I don't I don't have my life together and I think I'm realizing and uh, even um, learning that like even admitting that I don't have my life together is part of what it means to be loved mm-hmm. uh, to be accepted uh, and to even represent God's love for me, and um, yeah, it, it's definitely still a learning process. Because a lot of times my pride kicks in. I'm like, no, I have everything together. I have to appear like it, or I want to appear like it. Um, but the more I'm able to lay it down, and more I'm able to just share freely, it actually kind of like frees me up to be able to do what um, what I want to do. Because mm-hmm. that fear no longer like traps me. Because I know that I'm loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not alone, Keiko. <laughs> I definitely struggle with that yeah. on a regular basis. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm definitely a mess when I heard Dr. Sammy say that. I mean, for one, career. Like, it just never feels stable. It's always crazy. You, you book a job, you're like a celebrity in your head. I mean, not really <laughs> anymore for me. But, like, you think you're, like, on top of the world, though, that feeling of, ah, and then 
um, you don't book somebody for a couple months and it's just, oh, I should just quit. I suck. Why am I doing this? I should just know better. I need something more stable. Um, but I think that uh, when you were talking, I was reminded of this for both of us or well, everyone is that, um, yeah, I think it's so powerful to vocalize those things um, out loud and in a safe place or in a safe community because um, well, you have people to keep you accountable and you have people to remind you that you are the beloved and how God sees you and to encourage you not to give up and, um, yeah, to, to just keep at it, keep, keep at it so you can, um, have influence to be a light in many different places and ways. But yeah, I'm also, I, I just think back to when I first came to 180 and I was an even huger mess. I mean, I, I've had people tell me, <laughs> you guys might, I don't know. <laughs> you might laugh if I say this because you know me so well. Who? You guys. Uh, but, but I've had people who don't know me very well say like, oh, you look like you have it all together. That I'm is just, definitely the perception at first. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, am I, I mean, it's so funny because now I'm so transparent. I'm like, uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> but like back when I first came to, to this community about 10 years ago, I mean, I wanted to give that impression that I did have it all together. Um, but it's so funny because uh, when I'm on one of my talks with Pastor Lydia, um, you know, I think when I did open up to people about my brokenness, it would be because I wanted pity back then. I really wanted someone to just be like, oh, you poor thing. Like, what a tough life. Mm. But what was so <laughs> almost scary and I guess refreshing looking back <laughs> is that, well, P. Lid at that time, because I was still growing and uh, learning what community meant. But, but she uh, called me out. I mean, she was pretty much like, oh, I really, no, I knew she felt for me, but then it was just kind of like, the pushing along with the coddling. <laughs> what? Say it. A very, very curious. Oh, no, just to, like, you would call me out on oh. stuff. Like, be like, I, I can't even think of specifics, but uh. you, I think you were probably maybe the first person to do it in a way that I could actually hear. Like, it would be like, ouch, when you would say things. She was, you were also my small group leader, but it'd be like, Michelle, I don't know. You might say, like, you're a whiner. I can't think of the specifics, <laughs> but, but you were tough on me, you know, like, instead of, being like, oh, like, that's poor you. Like, you actually saw my potential. I mean, I really had to be God giving you that insight because I was really a mess. As, like, spit is coming out of my mouth right now. <laughs> but, but. Poor Wendy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, so I, I am just so grateful that, um, you know, yeah, like, I've changed a lot since 10 years ago, but I'm still a mess. Um, I think, though, I had to learn to submit to, um, to, to really be pushed. I had to submit to, um, I, had to, I had to trust, first of all, that God was speaking through Pastor Lydia. And, and I didn't doubt that, even though I was still learning God's voice. I felt it in my heart and soul. Um, and, I, and I just, I tried to, to be obedient and... Um, yeah, I think to God, to God, not to me, not to, to God. To me. I, mean, I love you. Please submit to God, not to me. <laughs> yes, to God, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, but uh, all to say that uh, it is prog- it's all about progress because I've been on this journey about a decade now and I'm less of a mess than I was, but that's not to say that I'm not a mess anymore. Um, I think the difference is I am willing to face my mess head on and, and be called out by com- my community, um, by my pastors, by leadership. And I will say, you know, I might have to sit on it when someone calls me out on something. My husband, it hurts. It's never easy to hear, like, oh, it took me forever to say sorry in an argument. But, um, but these are all things that God wants us to live a really full life. And um, I think I had to learn to face my shortcomings head on and know that I'm safe. Like be, be also wise about where am I safe and where, where is it, where is it gray, the safety. Um, but I don't doubt that here, you know, in my small group, in my marriage, in, in my relationships at 180, I'm safe and, and I can try to be better and then go down and be, you know, just, like backpedal a bit, but I'll have people to push me and, and, you know, not even work related, but work related. Yes. But life related and, um, everything related. I mean, it's all about living a full life and living your calling. Life is so short. It's like, well, yeah. What else would you want to live for? Hmm. When do you feel ready? Kind of. You guys can be. Go for it. <laughs> um, I, I definitely um, resonate with, I think, everyone here. Um, I think growing up, you sort of learned um, things that you had to do and things that you're expected to be, things like that. And... Um, I, th- I, ha- I I had a sort of, um, I don't know if it's called a breaking point or I was in my 20s, like my early 20s, and I was in a corporate job. I had a great salary. I had great benefits, and I just felt like something was missing. Um, something didn't feel right. I didn't feel like myself. Um, and that was a time when Wendy had, you know, told me about, oh, like she goes to this, well, it's a little complicated. <laughs> Are we going to share the story? It's your story. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's on um, YouTube. Yeah, I'll everything. be real. Yeah, okay, people can cool. find it. So, you know, I thought, okay, well, if something's missing then I think it's because I'm not in a relationship. And so uh, Wendy had mentioned, oh, you know, um, you know, there's some guys that are really nice in my church and <laughs> um, I think you should meet them. And so... <laughs> sold. Yeah, I was sold. I was such a sucker. And so <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll come. And um, that day was small group. And unbeknownst um, to me, like I was invited to a small group. <laughs> And that was the moment where um, I met, like, everyone. Like, I met Stu, I met Danny, I met, um, yeah. It just meant 
a lot of people there uh, from 180 and uh, they, you know, were very nice, right? Everyone's like saying hi, like, oh, like, um, what's your name? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. And getting me very comfortable, you know, we're eating. <laughs> um, and then, and then all of a sudden we go into prayer. <laughs> and then, <laughs> like, where am, am I? I? Where am I? Like, what's going on? I thought, I thought, I See, outreach to- does work. <laughs> you just have to tell them it's not a small group doing outreach. <laughs> It's a meet and greet. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, exactly. And um, I was just so confused. I just looked at Wendy. I remember just looking at Wendy and giving her this look like, what the, like, where am I? <laughs> like, what did you bring me to? And I could just see her smiling um, <laughs> in her corner. Yeah. And, um, and, um, and I got really hot. I don't know. It was, so, it was just, it was weird. Like, I just started getting very hot. Um, and like, almost like, oh gosh, like, okay, all right. And, um, one of the first questions I was asked, I was like, um, so, like, do you believe in Jesus? And I remember saying, um, I believe in a higher being. Uh, I think there's, uh, like, I think there is something bigger than just me, um, but I'm not sure if it's Jesus. Um, and that was, like, the first small group. But then, for some strange reason, I came back again, um, because I just felt like there was a lot of genuineness and from that first experience, um, like people were praying for one another at the end of the small, at, at the end of the small group. People were very intimate and sharing just their life story and what they've been going through. And I've never had that experience before. Like I never had that kind of genuine conversation. So I would come back next week and I would come back the next week and then I'd come back the next week and the, I think the third week, I just, I cried. Like, I started crying mm-hmm. and just, like, started pouring out, like, what my struggles were. Like, um, just with, like, work, not understanding, like, like what my purpose was. Like, I don't, I just, like, am I just meant to live, you know, like, breed and then die? Like, I just, like, I didn't understand, like, what the meaning of life was. So... Every week, like, when people shared their stories, I just felt like, okay, I think there's something here. And um, by the fourth week, week, I started attending service and started hearing the message. And I was like, oh, these are really interesting, um, like, interesting topics. Um, Like, we're talking about purpose. We're talking about something bigger and and, and grander. Um, Yeah, so that was sort of how I was introduced um, to Christ. And I think over time it was just like really seeing like God's love and how even though like I was such a mess and didn't understand where I was heading, um, there there seemed to be something solid there. Um, Yeah. You just <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think more and more, like you know, things revealed itself, like my like who who I really am, um, and uh, yeah, well, that was good, yeah, it's good, I guess you know the question, mm. how did you feel when you heard that you are a hot? 
mess or a, um, a mess in progress, what was your reaction to that? Um, because I think people mention this, but it's in relation to like, how do, how do you want to present yourself to people and how do you feel like you have to be if you are the plan? Is it okay that like, I'm not all there yet or I'm not all together? Mm-hmm. And our story, as honest as it is of what God is doing, our story is really the only thing we can really, really tell, right? Mm. It's not, I mean, that's why, like, our story, the living letter, that's actually scriptural. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, we are the church. I think we're all proving the point. Like, I think, Wendy, your story, you're saying, like, you went to this place, you didn't understand, and then the people of God started to talk, and you uh, experienced the church before you even stepped into a Sunday service. Mm. Know because people are being the church, and yeah. I think our stories, as much as we think we don't have it all together, and even myself, um, is what makes people relate to us and how we met Christ, and how God made sense of our stories, and mm. how He is writing our story. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm. yeah. Are you guys curious if? I mean, like, see, for me, it's, like, obvious that I am a mess in progress. But people always tell me, like, well, Pilate, you always have the answer. That's why people, I refer mm. people to you. <laughs> like, you see me as a pastor, but I don't really see myself. I don't really operate my life as a pastor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Does that make sense, guys? Mm. Yeah, like, I don't wake <clears throat> up and say, I am a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the answers of the universe. <laughs> it's almost like... When you were in grade school and you saw your like teacher at the mall or something, and it was like, whoa, they have a life, like you know, and they were their husband and their kids, and you're like, whoa, they have a life outside of school. I mean, we know you have a life, but it's just, it's just, it's just, you know, we, they almost seem like superhuman. Mm. I'm definitely not superhuman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys know my diet stories. I was sharing it with it like when we we're just like eating, but. Um, I forget that I'm on a diet every day. Like, I, f- I feel like I'm a really, like, attractive Garfield <laughs> in many ways. Garfield always forgets that he's on a diet and he eats what he's not supposed to eat. But, like, I'm a mess. I mean, not just in, in that area, but, like, I'm a mess. And I think I often, um, even as a pastor, as a mom, as... Um, in so many titles, yeah, like there's so many hats I wear, but I'm, the question I'm always pondering about is, am I enough? Hmm. Am I enough? Do I know enough? Am I prepared enough? That's really the question that I always ask, you know? Hmm. And for me, the most encouraging thing is the reminder that the truth is the truth and that, you know, when Dr. Sammy says, um, when re- he reiterates scripture, that Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Like for me, I'm like, yes, I believe that. But that's really hard sometimes, you know. Mm. And I think that's fears that you guys don't have because you guys are so much stronger, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I struggle with that too. You know, when people ask to meet me, um, 
And I say this not from a position of being a pastor, but I think I am a human being, you know? As much as people talk about me and respect, like, I'm always like, am I saying this the right way? Mm. Am I saying the right thing? You guys don't, you guys don't worry about that, right? Oh, I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pulled the mic in so fast. That, like, uh, I, I have that thought constantly. Yes. And oh, yeah. I, to me, it's always a relief to hear that from you because... I'm always like, am I being neurotic? Like, am I am I thinking too hard on this? Mm-hmm. But to me, it's mm-hmm. like a real, um, it's a real like concern because I I don't want to lead people astray. Yeah. I don't want to you know think, yes. or I don't want to give my words haphazardly or without uh, being intentional and, and being caring. Um, so I, I it's almost almost like to a point that's kind of neurotic. But I I think about it. It, f- it can feel neurotic because yeah. you're thinking about it so much. Like, did I? Did I say that correctly? Did I say that in the most loving way? You know, I have nightmares about it. Like, mm-hmm. am I am I loving in my dream? Like to that person because I I struggle with that. Am I enough? Do I know enough? I share my struggle of my progress of being a mess because I think this is this is a human struggle. You know, this is what human beings feel. Like as much as you could say to me. Um, no, you seem so different. Clearly, I had I was also saved by grace, <laughs> you know. And a lot of times, I feel like I'm catching up because the world around us is changing so much, mm-hmm. you know. Like I'm juggling how to speak to my children, like so many different generations, like you know. So you mm-hmm. think that you're nervous to speak to me, but I'm actually nervous to speak to you, you know. But I think this is a human struggle that we have, which makes us. Uh, what is it? A mess in progress. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's not only like, oh, my pastor feels <clears throat> that way, and oh, I feel so encouraged by that. But I think when Dr. Sammy is talking about that, it's not like certain people have it all together and certain people don't. But it's because we don't have it all together and why we needed Christ in the first place. Mm-hmm why we can relate to one another. And I think, honestly, like, this is also what makes us relatable to people, that we're not made of steel. Mm. We're not trying to hold everything together. Mm. Right? Yes. Mm. So we're all growing. We're all learning. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But also to say I feel that way often, but I'm also amazed at when I do show up not really understanding the need of someone. Because mm-hmm. that their story is not my story. When I hear someone's story and I'm amazed at how God does show up. When my intention is just to be present and to be obedient, um, how God does show up. And the Holy Spirit does give us the words to say, you know, and that's a learning a process, a learning process as well. But I think no one has it together. Mm-hmm. We're not, we don't become the light. We don't become the plan of God because we got certain things down. 
or have all the ducks in a row. Is that an idiom words too? Mm, yeah, <laughs> to have yeah. all your ducks in a row. Yeah, which means... Uh, to have everything lined up so you can... Yeah. yeah, yeah, like I feel more like my life is kind of like my the ducks are all like everywhere <laughs> and zigzags. Like Wendy <laughs> laughed because I don't walk straight in the hallway. <laughs> but that's kind of like how I feel like my life is, right? Mm. I don't ever feel like I have it all together. Mm. But still, God calls us to represent him he calls us to be in relationship he calls us to speak up he calls us to comfort he calls us to encourage one another Mm -hmm. while we're still a mess and to me i think the gospel is powerful because of that because Mm -hmm. there is space for pastors there's space for everyone everyone who feels like they don't have it all together to find him like, he doesn't have categories of people, like, better and good, great, and greater. Everyone mm. is the same. Everyone is, like, you know, his little Josh, you know? And so I'm reminded every day that I am a sinner and that I need him. And because I don't have it all together, even realizing I am a sinner, that I need him. So, I'm encouraged by that every day. Mm. And that is like, I guess that's, and that's how I make space for God, you know? Mm. In the vulnerability of being human and the vulnerability of the fact that I can get hurt and that I can hurt you, but still in the mess that we meet together and that we speak together and that we rejoice together, that we celebrate together, that in relationship, in the craziness, in the neurotic, you know, that we, we turn to Christ together. I mean, that's why I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's, that is that. <laughs> Anyone want to say anything about it? Um, I I will say, well, so uh, just to speak a little bit more on, on that, like like that thought, I was like, oh, am I am I doing enough? Am I saying the right thing? Um, so I tend to get this. I mean, it doesn't happen as often anymore, but um, like maybe like last summer, um, I was meeting up with somebody who was new to the community, um, and I guess for me, like meeting up with somebody intentionally one-on-one like it it's still something that i'm getting used to i'm so used to group settings and like settings that are like almost like casual talk so for me like this kind of intentional uh one-on-one with somebody who's new to me is like you know it, i think it it brings up a lot of anxiety, anxiety yeah for me. of course uh, i mean for, in my heart i was like okay i want to talk about christ with them um um, but when I got there, I was so nervous that my hands were shaking and like the other person was like, are you okay? And I'm like, uh, like I, ju- I just had to be like raw. Like I had to just be myself and I'm like, Hey, like, so, uh, just bear with me a little bit because I, I, I struggle with like, you know, a nervousness. I get nervous around people uh, with, when I meet up for the first time and it takes me time. Uh, and we actually got into a conversation about how the other person actually gets nervous too. Like doing one-on-ones was actually like very nerve wracking for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I like, but I knew that like, even, even though I get nervous that like, that God was still leading me into that conversation mm-hmm. and that I, I also didn't want my nervousness to be, um, to stop me from being able to meet up with people. 
Uh, and now, I mean, it doesn't happen as often, I would say. It, there are moments where I still get nervous, and I think I need to, like, really pray beforehand when I meet up with people one-on-one. Mm -hmm. um, but that, um, but that, like, even despite of that nervousness, like, like God gives, God, I can go with the confidence that God's going to give me the words. Like, or, mm -hmm. or even, if, even if I don't say anything, that, like, my presence is what matters. Um, and honestly, those, those moments, like, are really scary for me. Uh, actually, so one time, like maybe like a couple of months ago, um, I want you know I, I'm involved with a college fellowship, and one of the one of the students in college fellowship told me, you know I, I really you know really respect you, and I really like uh, I really inspired by you, and those <laughs> words, believe it or not, gave me a lot of anxiety <laughs> because it brought up the fear of like oh man what if I what if I lead them astray, <laughs> what if I say the wrong thing, mm. um, and it suddenly made me very conscious of like this like sense of responsibility um, as someone who I suppose is like a role, role model. Um, and I mean, I told a person maybe like a week later that, you know, those are going through my thoughts just to, just to be transparent. I, I, I took some time to process through what those fears were, and the fears being that, that I'm gonna disappoint or I'm gonna fail in some way. Uh, and it was no, in no way like, it was in no way the way they said it or anything like that. Um, they were clearly trying to encourage me, mm -hmm. um, but I had to come to terms with my fears. And um, you know, in, in that way too, like even even that kind of compliment like made me like st stir up with these feelings. And you know, but even so, like um, you know, like yeah, I, I was actually like a mess that day. Like I I ran into some people and people were like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and they I, I I told them what happened and they're like, "Yeah, like can I pray for you?" Um, and it, it took me like a whole day to recover, but, um, like I, I'm, I'm realizing that like I'm being healed in the process too, because mm. I think in the past when I've had those like nervous nervousness or that, like that moments where I like my hands start shaking, I would just go home and just like try to, mm. try to just like just process it through. But like, like trying to process it through in front of people has actually, uh, help me just be more honest about it and help mm. people be present and pray for me uh, during that process too. Mm. You know that time, I think I spoke about it like m many podcasts ago now. Oh, it's been a while. But I remember there was a time I would get panic attacks mm. and I would be in like a public place with people and I would have a drink, but I couldn't pick up my cup because my hand would be shaking so much. Like I would be so scared that it would literally like miss my mouth. Mm. So I totally know what you're talking about. There are times when like we're going through things and we just, we show up because we, we love the person. We show up because we love the people, but you're like struggling inside, whether it's anxiety or fear or just like recovering from trauma, you know? And yeah, like I was a mess, <laughs> you know, but I'm, remi I'm reminded of that. But even then, like, to know, like, um, like I was a mess and I'm like feeling this nervousness of not feeling so in control, right. but how... God showed up in those times, you know, I'm amazed by that. <laughs> you know, it's like amazing, like when we think, I mean, Joe, I think Joe said it, but 
when you, I don't know how, what you, how you said it, but like in the moments when you feel the least about yourself or something like that is he realized that God used him the most, mm. you know? Mm. So, yeah. Isn't, it, isn't that nuts? <laughs> 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 but it's so common, yeah. you know? Mm. People are going through stuff, you know? So... I was like, don't touch that drink. <laughs> you know? So, but I don't think that it's only expectation on a leader. I think it's expectation on just human beings. Like, there's so much angst and so much expectation. Mm. And so we feel like so messy in so many different ways. But, hey, God took me when I was a mess before. I'm just a different kind of mess now. <laughs> you know? So I, I think... I guess like growing in Christ, like that's the part you just kind of get comfortable just resting in that. Like, I'm probably not all going to be all together, you know, like people are going to find out that I have, you know, I have like, you know, I, I was struggling trying to hold a cup, like something so normal or um, whatever it may be, you know, like there are these things like I was going through that and but I'm OK with that, I guess you become more comfortable with the fact that like you're always kind of going to be a mess and it's okay because it's a process and so what if you're never perfect i mean that is that even a goal like we are his beloved mm. so but at the same time i love that tension in life then everything, not everything is so crystal clear and crisp and perfect and what you say is like so profound or, you know, that it takes people process to, or time to ingest truth and love, love and truth. Mm -hmm. You know, that there's tension in life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In heaven, it's probably like, bam but here it's like oh my gosh why did that pause like i remember once i tried to lead um joy to christ and i asked her like after a long conversation i'm like joey are you ready to come to christ and she paused and i was like oh my gosh like that really feels really long and then i mean she came to christ but it it felt really long so i think we all feel that is what i'm saying hey um, you know we've all felt that nervous about so it's a human experience and coming to Christ, we, you know, I love what Paul says that inner weakness, that God's grace is sufficient for us and that inner weakness, God's power is made perfect. Mm. It's so true <laughs> because it makes us rely on him so much more. But yeah, so I kind of like that I'm a mess. I'm still getting used to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you get older, you just kind of like, okay, I'm always kind of going to be a mess. So. <laughs> you kind of. Yeah, I, I still get really scared, but I am learning to trust him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I must say, like, I stopped shaking the cup mm. and I did start drinking, you know, out of my straw. <laughs> but yeah, I was nervous. Kego, I totally know how you felt. Mm. Yeah. But I know. I'm sure it's a lot more nerve wracking when you're meeting with your pastor. <laughs> But that's my perspective, just to say, I 
Like I said, I'm a really like adorable, attractive Garfield's female version. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, maybe that sounds horrible because Garfield's really like. But I don't know. Whatever, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. What you thinking, Joe? What are you pondering about? Oh, about the church stuff. About us being the church. Mm. That's, that's it. Like I was just listening. Yeah. What were you thinking about? Um, I guess what it would look like for us to be that for others. Because I don't know. I think, you know, people think of church as this thing they do, you know? Like, um, I'm not, like, saying this for everybody. You know, the church has become a routine, almost. Like, I, I go to church, and mm-hmm. I, I do church. But, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to grasp what that really means or what do you mean by you do church or we are the church, right? Because I think the implication is that, you know, we are a living body of people that um, love Christ and, you know, Christ has one mission in mind is to bring more people to him. But, you know, we've, you know, sometimes I think we often dumb it down to like, this is just something I do, whether it's on Thursdays, and Wednesdays for small group and Sundays for church, you know. But I don't know. It's yeah. That's just what I was thinking about. You know, like what was it? What does it look like? Yeah, like you know, Outside if we yeah, if we all saw like how how we've been called to that. But you know, I think yeah, I don't know. It's just a thought because like. I think people don't really see that this is what we're called to do, you know, like bring the church to people. Um, and so like a lot of the power of what God can do through them is missed. Mm. You know? Not that that was like the focus of the conversation. I was, mm. It was just like a thought I was having. Yeah. But I would actually say that there are a lot of pockets of mission in the church among the members Mm. that I think it's almost unfortunate we don't get to hear about all of them but Mm. people are really aching and hoping and wanting people to come to know Christ Mm. 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 yeah no, but I think that's more the reality. I think the encouragement of the message is to recalibrate that together as as a church and to continue. Because, yeah, like, yeah, of course, we forget and, you know, people forget. But even outside the walls of even the time frame of 12 to 2, there's so many um so much, like there's so much effort of trying to create ways to bring people to somehow hear the gospel mm-hmm. um friends on vacation trying to witness to their families we don't yeah. always he- hear about them 
But it's true. I think what God is wanting to remind us is um, don't underestimate what God is doing mm. and to don't underestimate what more you can do. Mm. And I think that's why it's such a great reminder that we are a mess in progress because even though you feel like a mess in progress, because you're a mess in progress, like we are really the perfect, you are really the perfect mess to go into the world, you know? Mm. Because the story is so relatable. It's really in the brokenness and the, I don't know, cracks of who we are and how we're not perfect that Christ is able to shine like mm. you know mm. yeah I don't see it I didn't really see it that way yeah but I think also what you're saying is not so much that this is not happening but I think what you're saying is that there's a yearning that you want this to happen right, right? yeah 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 but yeah, I think the heart is the same. And I think because the heart is there and it's becoming clear what the mission is and the call is, God is. Um, and that's what, that's kind of like the key phrase Dr. Sammy keeps saying, like this summer, let's cal recalibrate um, of the call, recalibrate for the call, let's <coughs> recalibrate um, to do the work of God, right? Mm. And that's why... There's teaching on it, but also reminder. There's like a com prophetic conviction to even remember the call, to remember to know what the call is, and to also know that there is a race, not just this race of life, but there is another race to not forget about. Mm. Yeah. Because God is moving. And I guess it's an encouragement to all, like, people who are doing the mission, people who are sharing faith with family, don't underestimate what God can do through you. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, that's what the phrase means. Like, don't underestimate what God can do through you. Through you. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, we kind of downplay what we can do and what's possible. But what God, maybe not just you, but what God can do through you, let's, I mean, I think God is saying, See that I am at work. Hmm. And he's obviously calling us to that work, mm. into that tension, you know? Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. Did, did we recently talk about that in a sermon, the, the not downplaying what you can do and like what God can do through you? Did that did come we? up in a, diff in a sermon earlier before? I don't remember. Why? Because I've been saying that a lot in my small group. Uh-huh. But I don't know where I got it from. Oh, it's probably prophetic. I don't know, actually. I can't say I, I, I block okay. that. But okay, I was just curious. I, I didn't know if I got it from you or if I got it. I don't know. All I know is I got it at the park. Okay. So it is what God is saying. It's <coughs> interesting. <laughs> And, yeah. No, yeah. No, I've just been saying it like the past two, three weeks. Don't underestimate what God can do through you. Group, yeah. Mm. yeah. 
No, but it it was no for me too, and it was interesting because what God said before the service was, "Don't underestimate what God is doing." I don't ask. Don't underestimate what God is doing, but also don't underestimate what you can do. Mm. So it was like a big reminder.、Mm. And everything else is perspective because it's funny because I actually also prayed this like, you know, sometimes what we think in our I don't know what's the f- square footage of this place or what like a one bedroom apartment. I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, well you know. Thirty by thirty. Is that too big? I don't know. You lived in a closet once.、So. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Twenty <laughs> by ten. I have no idea.、Oh. I don't know. Okay, so, but like, uh, like, hundred square feet, right? To a thousand square feet, right? I don't know. I'm sorry. Math is not my subject, but, but anyway, what I was praying was like. God, sometimes who you seem to be in our square footage seems so much smaller and in a box.、Mm-hmm. But then when I was at the park, and I was like reminded outside the walls of my own room, because like think about all the stuff that goes through your mind, right? And we make God so small, and He gets all boxed in and framed in in a time frame and all sorts of, right? But like standing in the park, and it just felt like.、Um, I was reminding when, like, right before he spoke this, he was reminding me of, without the walls. You know, the perspective we get in that beauty is so much greater and the and closer to his majesty than how we tend to think about him in in our insularity,、mm-hmm. right? So I was saying, like, God, you are so much bigger and greater, and um. You know, in your majesty and in your beauty, God, right? In this great, great field of green and grass. <laughs> That's what I said, right? But it was funny because, right in the beginning, I think、um, Sam preached and he said, "God, in this small patch of grass," <laughs> and I just laughed because. That's kind of just like how we are, you know. Like his perspective, my perspective. You know what I mean? We're、mm-hmm. all like very so eclectic group of people who are found by Christ and saved by grace and being transformed, but like so different, and the perspective is so different. But He's calling all of us,、mm-hmm. like, to be reminded and to really take hold. Like, don't underestimate what God, what I am doing, because obviously you can't see it all. You know. Like unless you tell me what's going on, how am I gonna know that, right? In the same way, unless you tell me good news, how am I supposed to know that,、mm-hmm. right? But in the same way, like we don't always know how God's moving in the unseen,、mm-hmm. you know. After the words that you've spoken of encouragement, or whether like you don't know how prayer is working, like we don't always know these things. But God is saying, "Don't underestimate what I can do, but also don't underestimate、um, what you can do.、Mm-hmm. Like, don't underestimate what I can do through you." So、mm-hmm. it's like the synergy of both. I think I don't know. I think that's really where God is saying,、mm. because we are the church.、Right. Mm. And so, I think for me, and as I'm thinking about our conversation today before we close, it's just I can only really imagine what. Can be made possible through 
what God is doing for our church and in our church and through us. And I think, um, you know, I really pray that this summer is going to be a time that we can really come together to, you know, recalibrate. And I think I'm also excited for what's to come, especially for um, who Christ is changing us to be um, so that we can, you know, bring this good news to more and more people. And, you know, that's ultimately my heart. And, you know, I think Dr. Sammy um, brought us to a great close with the ministry time. Um, we pray that as you reflect and you meditate as we did uh, right before uh, this podcast, that we can really pray on, you know, what God is doing in our church, in our community, um, and how God is calling you to be the church. So here's the ministry time. Will you lift your hands with me to the Lord today? And will you receive the call this summer? Will you be the hand and feet of grace? Or the days in the sun will become a rhythm of grace. A rhythm of grace. For those who are far from God. For those who are confused about God. For those who are broken without God. And will you become missional like Paul? And that's why we do it, to remind us that we are the church, not a building, but us. You're God's plan. Just like Paul was God's plan in Athens. Father, we, we come before you this afternoon for all of those who've served today, making food, put the tent up, decorated, invited, prayed. You are so delighted with our effort to go to where the people are, to the marketplace, to the cultural center where people need you, God. Help us, God, in our struggle of following after you and the call of God of our lives. Not to abdicate our responsibility and say the church will do it, the pastor will do it, or the person that my friend who's really on fire for God will do it. we would hear the call and know that you are the plan, that I am the plan. I'm the one on mission. Make that clear today, God. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. 
everyone. We just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 539-7-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv. 